Welcome, 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 Skillman Church of Christ to another podcast on the show, Continuing the Conversation, where we are going through the book of Galatians. And today we have two incredible gifts for our listening audience out there. Number one is we will be covering Galatians chapter five. And this is an incredible chapter, one of the most compelling chapters, I think, in the entire book of Galatians, maybe in in scripture, because it includes some really great, great texts and scriptures on life by the spirit. But uh, the second gift that we have today is that my man, my brother, Kavian McMillan is going to be joining us to talk about Galatians chapter five. So we, before we get into the text, Kavian, how are you, how are you doing? Give us an update on you and the family. Oh man, I'm doing well and the family is good. Um, you know, by God's grace, we're doing well. We are blessed, man. So um, can't complain. Uh, we have the ability to work from home and, and things have been going uh, well with that. And uh, matter of fact, I'm on my lunch break right now <laughs> from work. <laughs> this, is, yeah. uh, this is my, my home office workstation in the corner of my bedroom. So, so not only is Kavian a theologian, an avid reader, a sermon listener, uh, he's one of the, in my life, one of, uh, in all the world, one of my favorite people to talk to. And so it's a great opportunity to talk to him, but he's also giving up his time. He has a job. <laughs> he's a financial analyst. And here he has given his lunch break uh, to talk about Galatians chapter five. And so uh, we'll get right to it because time is precious. I know you have to get back to work, but we're so grateful for this chance to talk to you, Kavian, and hear your thoughts on Galatians chapter five. So what I'll do, uh, Kavian, and for those listening, is I'll go ahead and start reading. I'm going to read a big chunk. Um, we'll probably read from verse, verse one of chapter five all the way to six. And I had a chance to, to share my thoughts in the sermon, so I'll probably say less on these parts. And then until we get to later on, it'll be more of a dialogue. But uh, I kind of uh, will be curious to hear, Kavian, when reading this text, if anything particular stands out to you, we can talk about that. And then and then we'll move on to the next section, the next section, and we'll hopefully cover the entire book of Galatians, uh, chapter uh, five of Galatians. So let's go ahead and uh, get to it. I'll be reading from the New International Version, verse one of chapter five. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Man, in these opening uh, verses, Cavian, anything stand out to you in particular about what Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia? Um, well, I guess, uh, the imagery that he is using, um, in the beginning of, of freedom and slavery, um, those are some powerful images that, you know, in Christ, he has set us free. Yes. And, 
the the argument is uh, that apparently somehow the the audience he's addressing is uh, you know tempting themselves are, are are allowing themselves to be under some sort of bondage and yeah, metaphorically uh, he's he's saying they're making them slaves themselves slaves again uh, to something that Christ has set them free from mm. and. Uh, so I guess the the question for us as readers would be, okay, you know, what is he referring to? What has Christ yeah. set us free from? Mm-hmm. And how are these uh the people he's addressing, how how are they, you know, putting themselves under under bondage again, not realizing that set them free? That's a really good point, man. And I really like there's a part in verse one where it says, um, do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery again which is interesting to me because here we have a primarily gentile audience you know this church that was planted these churches that were planted by paul and barnabas in the first missionary journey they consist of mainly gentile converts right people who were living a pagan lifestyle who are now new christians and are now being taught by these judaizers these really strict Jewish converts to Christianity that their that their salvation isn't complete, that they need to become Jews first before they can become Christians. They need to follow the law before they can really be a real deal follower of Jesus. So it's interesting, like burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It's almost like the Judaizers and the pagans, they're both living in a form of, of, of slavery, right? It's a form of, of containment. Uh, and it's almost like they're suffering from the same problem. I thought that was interesting that Paul uses the, don't be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mm. And uh, how do you take that verse, man? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I mean, any, any thoughts on uh, what Paul's saying there? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Yeah, um, I guess this is a, you know, this sort of a, a perennial issue that, you know, we as uh, followers of Christ or, you know, religious people kind of deal with is, uh, you know, what are the, I guess what they call the, uh, the, the majors and what are the minors or, yeah. you know, what, what, what is essential what yeah. is and so mm-hmm. in this past circumcision is the the topic of that and uh you know the the, the question was is uh you know the the ritual or the rite of circumcision did did the gentiles have to engage in that in order to be accepted as christians yeah. and that was the uh you know what the Judaizers were sort of imposing upon these new converts. Yeah. And in response, you know, Paul is saying that it's, it's not about circumcision. It's about Christ. Mm -hmm. And, and so the only thing that ultimately matters is, uh, is faith in Christ and how it manifests itself through, through love. Um, so I know there's a, there's a little more to the conversation than that because on the, on the other side, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it can be argued, well, does, does anything matter? <laughs> does any <laughs> doctrine 
this or any yeah. sort of anything that we do matter at all. Um, you know, my, my read is that it ultimately is uh, faith in Christ that matters. And mm -hmm. what that means, you know, is what we have to work out. I love that, man. Because I, I mentioned this a little bit in the sermon this past week, but you know, the tendency when you read a verse like that, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I think, you know, within a healthy church, there's people that lean more on the progressive side, right? And there's people that lean more on the conservative side. I think a healthy church has both that work together and the, the, the unity and oneness of Christ is seen in that dynamic. But, you know, the, the progressives read that and they're like, man, this is great, man. We don't need to be so hard on these sinners. You know, we can just be open, keep the door open, you know, let's, uh, let's just, you know, not talk about sin, you know, let's talk about grace and love because the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. But then, you know, the more conservative in the church that says, Hey, hold on there. Like, what about morality? What about ethics? You know, what about doing the right thing? Does, does that matter? And, um, I think it's an interesting conversation here because it kind of reminds me of like, when you, uh, go to college you apply for college and it's your senior year and you know for your 11th grade your grades are so good because that's when that the colleges look at and then you get into college your senior year and then usually that second half of senior year like you you don't try anymore because you're already in college right so the temptation if it doesn't matter right why is it important for us to live a moral life free from sin uh, if we're loved and embraced by God, almost like that college kid who doesn't need to try anymore <laughs> because they've already in college, like what's the motivation for us to live a life of morality and to, to live a life set apart? Do you have any thoughts on that? So, um, so as I was kind of thinking about this passage and as a whole, you know, Galatians chapter five, um, it seems to me that it addresses, you know, the polarity of legalism, but also on the other end of the spectrum, you know, what we could either call relativism or what mm -hmm. some have, some have uh, termed cheap grace. You know, mm -hmm. there's different approaches to spirituality or to, to life itself that Paul is addressing here. And so the, conversation about circumcision um paul is clearly you know addressing a legalistic uh sense of what it means to uh for circumcision to to be to be uh, i guess the the thing that saves you know the judaizers yeah. Yeah. We're imposing the practice of circumcision upon this group of new converts saying that they needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. And what that does is kind of put Christ as secondary <laughs> to yeah, the exactly. of circumcision. Um, the work of Christ. Mm -hmm. So when he says the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love, you know, I, I see that as Paul putting Christ back mm. in the proper as being the primary thing that the ultimate thing what it what it's all about is yeah. uh, is is christ himself but after he gets done talking about that you know about circumcision um you know he says 
that you were called to be free in verse 13, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Mm. And then he, then he reiterates, you know, the commitment to love again. Um, but so on the other hand, if you're, if, if we're not um, tempted by legalism, there's a, another temptation that we all experience is, you know, to, to kind of be, be lax, you know, yeah. because yeah. Uh, set us free. Um, there's sort of a, an approach to life that, you know, it's already been taken care of. Mm. There's nothing I can do for <laughs> God to love me any less. And so yeah. therefore I don't have to do anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. And, uh, and so it, it's on the other hand, you know, it's, uh, it's also a sense of putting Christ secondary to our, to our own will or to our own mm. uh, definition. We get to define what we think is necessary, what we think matters and what we think doesn't, mm. you know, because, mm. because of this sense that Christ has already, you yeah. know, set us free. Yeah. You know, there's nothing else that is, is truly important, but that, and um, to me, you know, I, I'm, when I was reading this, I, I see myself in both of those camps. Mm -hmm. There are times where, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm tempted toward legalism, tempted mm -hmm. toward, you know, I, because I go to church and because I read my Bible, because I pray, yeah. you know, it's almost not, maybe not so much consciously, but, you know, yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm trying to put God in my debt. Like you, you know, I, for you, so you know, I do, yeah, yeah, I do all these things, and therefore, you know, mm -hmm. um, I should be saved, or you know, or I God owes me something, you know. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, you know, there are times where I'm tempted toward what I guess I'm just going to call cheap grace. You know, yeah. God has uh, has already saved us, and He mm -hmm. He loves us so much, and Therefore, uh, I am tempted not to remember that I owe a debt of gratitude. Mm. <laughs> my, mm -hmm. my debt has been paid for my sin, but I still owe a debt of gratitude. Yes. But there, there's, a, there's a temptation to, to say that, oh, you know, it really doesn't matter. You yeah. know, I can, uh, I can live however I want. I don't have to pray. I don't have to read my Bible. He's going to love me anyway. And that misses the point too. You know, it just, it misses the point in the other direction. Mm -hmm. I think between those two things, between legalism and relativism mm -hmm. um, is communion with God. Ooh. Between yes. legalism and cheap grace is true grace, which mm. is grace through faith. And, uh, and I think that's what Paul transitions to when he talks about walking in the spirit. Oh man. Hey, so, well, right there, man. Let me, let's get there. Let's read it. Cause you kind of alluded to it as well. Let me read 13 and then, you know, what? I'm going to go ahead and read the whole rest of the whole passage and uh, we'll hit on some of the things you talked about and also get to the part where he talks about life by the spirit. So I'll read real quick and then we'll, uh, I want to hear what you have to say about this because you're on fire, man. You're on, you're on a roll. So let's get, let's get to uh, verse 13, and I'll read all the way to uh, verse 26. This is the New International Version. 
you, well, I'm sorry. I, I need to start in verse seven, actually, because I left in verse six, just so we can read the whole passage. So I'll start in verse seven. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The, the one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Hey, man, let's pause right there. <laughs> Paul goes all out, man. That's, that's not one of those yeah. verses you see on the bumper stickers <laughs> you know, on a t-shirt. <laughs> He's laying on the law. All right, verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunk, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified. I'm sorry. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Whew. All right, man. It's one of the most amazing passages. I think, you know, they're all amazing, but this is particularly powerful. Man, keep on talking, man, what you were saying. Um, what does it mean to live life by the spirit? Um, yeah, so basically, uh, like I said, this is just me meditating on the passage uh, from last night and this morning. And uh, what I discern from it today is, uh, mm -hmm. like I said, I have these two tendencies within me. You know, uh, I have a tendency to uh, want to put God in my debt somehow by uh, yeah. by servants by my practices i want to be in control by mm -hmm. you know saying i do this this and that checking off the box and and therefore i'm entitled to salvation or whatever the case may be mm -hmm. on the other hand there are times where i feel a different kind of sense of entitlement that you know 
God is love, right? And so therefore you're supposed to love me no mm. matter what I do. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's a different type of entitlement, you know? And um, I think about it kind of like a relationship and actually something I remember from one of your sermons one day, man. So mm. somebody actually remembers something you say in your sermon sometimes. Put it on paper, man. <laughs> uh, I may have to give Tara credit for this because it was a story you told and I forgive me if I butcher the story, but sure. you talked about um, love and you talked about some kind of a tiff that you guys had and you, yeah. you said, but I love you. Yeah. And she said something to the effect that uh, I don't want to just hear you say that you love me. I want you to practice loving me. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. If I if, if I got that close, that kind of gets to my point about what I'm trying to say about mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it, it's sort of similar, you know. If we think ourselves as children of God, you know, mm -hmm. we it's not just the the fact that we do our chores and we, you know, we we're obedient and therefore mm -hmm. they're you know we're trying to earn God's love. Exactly. Yet on the on the other hand, it's not just the fact that oh you you know you're my parent or you know you're my father, so therefore you're supposed to yeah <laughs> you know you're supposed to provide for me, you're supposed to pay for my college, you're supposed yeah. to do this and give me what I want. That kind of, <laughs> it, exactly. It's uh, but if we're if we're truly trying to be children to our father, mm. then there. There's a there's a freedom from the rules are there for our guidance and are for our good, yes. but there's a freedom to know that we're loved inside of that household and it's not dependent on the rules. Yeah, but th but there's also a, a genuineness in relationship that we don't just treat our mother and father as a piggy bank or as mm -hmm. somebody who's there to do our whim, but we mm -hmm. are genuinely trying to honor and, and and have a relationship uh with and with our father that we we make him proud and we are in a, a mutual relationship of love and respect and so therefore i do want to follow the rules because i know it's important to you yes. yeah and, uh, i think that's kind of the balance when we talk about living um by the spirit mm -hmm. it's uh it's communion with God mm -hmm. that results in, um, you know, in the fruit um, mm -hmm. that we love, joy, peace, patience. You'll notice that uh, the verse says the fruit of the spirit mm. is love. And that contrasts with the, in verse 19, it says the acts of the flesh. Of the flesh. Wow. It doesn't say the acts of the spirit. Yes. It, it says the fruit of the spirit versus the acts of the flesh. Mm -hmm. So, so we're in this passage, it's not calling us to accomplish love and accomplish joy and accomplish mm -hmm. peace so that we can have the spirit in our lives. It's saying cultivate a relationship with God through his spirit and the fruit will be this result right here. The result will be the fruit. So this is calling us to true 
communion and our task mm -hmm. in this passage is to cultivate, to, to, to plant the seed, to water it, to cultivate it, mm -hmm. and the resulting fruit will be mm -hmm. love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. We are to keep in step with the spirit um, which has all kinds of dimensions and aspects, but to me, it's, it's seeking true communion with God. Wow, man, that's so powerful. I had noticed, I did not notice that um, intentional use of words in verse 19 and also in verse 22, that it's the acts of the sinful nature and it's in 22, the fruit of the spirit. The fruit is something that is birthed from something greater you know it's a fruit is a is a product it's it's uh it's not the means but it kind of almost is a it's the ends to the mean uh, it's a it's a result of the watering and the and the, the sunshine and and in in this sense of course it's the result of a spiritual resurrection it's the the power of the spirit within one's life to transform deadness uh anxiety fear the things that are that are dead and the spirit can transform it. And through the spirit, fruit is produced. Uh, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's, uh, it's really cool, uh, this dichotomy, this tension that you've addressed. And I think Paul in chapter 5, this is a great example of, of really him speaking to this dichotomy. Because when you talk about freedom, right, you, you named it so well. There's a te that temptation to go on the extreme and say, hey, well, because of grace, because of, of freedom, we can live however we want, right? We can do whatever we want when we want it. You described it so well. And other, in other areas of scripture, Paul addresses that in other points, because I think that's the, the temptation, it's that tension. In Romans 6, I think, should we sin? Uh, does this mean that we could keep on sinning? And you know, he says, by, by no means do we keep on sinning. Because there is important that the christians are set apart like it's, it's part of our it's part of who we are to be set apart to be a part of a holy people and um it really is Mark, uh, i i said it that way to kind of just illustrate i i, I gave the extreme example just to kind mm -hmm. of illustrate the point but in yeah. in practice in real life it doesn't usually look like that especially when i when i look at my life it doesn't usually look like me shaking my fist and saying i can do whatever i want that's yeah. that's yeah. usually not how it manifests itself it, mm -hmm. it manifests itself in this attitude that my default nature is mm -hmm. good or this 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 assumption that my default nature <laughs> that if if i don't pay attention to my relationship with god if i don't intentionally seek his face if i don't intentionally uh you know practice holiness Mm. that somehow I'm still pretty much good because mm. I'm just a good guy. I'm still pretty, I'm <laughs> still pretty much good. And All right. Christ will just get me. Uh -huh. but, but then why did I need a savior? <laughs> if that's, mm -hmm. if that's the case, why did I need somebody to, mm -hmm. or why did I need God himself to come and, and die for me? If I'm just pretty much good anyway, you know? Yeah. So, I don't say that to say that I'm thoroughly evil, but I just say that to say my default nature isn't holiness per se. My default nature isn't, you know, walking with God. I have to pay attention. You know, I, 
yeah, it's not self-effort to accomplish my salvation, but it is intentional following after the Spirit. To, uh, if- yeah, to add to what you're saying, man, I mean, it's interesting the words that he uses in ver- and Paul uses in verse 19 um, and 21 when he speaks about the acts of the flesh. It's interesting, and if you count them, there's 15 total words, 15 and if you kind of break them down, seven of them are kind of irreligious, right? Like sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, drunkenness, orgies. And these are, these are what we would put in the pagan category, <laughs> you know, the, the people that are outside the building, not sitting in the pews, you know, in, in our context. But then eight are sins that could the religious people can easily fall into and have fallen into, which is interesting. You have discord, jealousy, you know, dissensions, factions. I mean, if, if we've been around in church long enough, we've seen these words lived out. So, I mean, to add to your point, I mean, I, I really agree that like these particular, the way that Paul even writes about the acts of the flesh, they speak of people who are both outside of maybe the church context, but also struggles that are within people who are going to church every Sunday people who are striving to, to do, um, you know, to, to follow the ways of Jesus. These are some tendencies, some acts that can creep in. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If, if we're not intentionally seeking to place God in the center at all times, then I don't know about you, but I replace that center with myself, with my ego, you know? Yeah. And, if I'm not living God-centered, I'm usually living I-centered. I'm usually mm. living me-centered. And that might not look like me committing murder or robbery, but it, it may look like me uh, not being charitable in traffic when I drive or mm. not, being, uh, not paying attention to the needs of those around me. And, uh, yeah, or know, being, being impatient. Impatient. Yeah, uh, needs. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many ways these can kind of begin to develop and you know, one thing i was going to ask you man at the very end of, of the, the text you know in, in verse 24 through 26 it seems like paul in, in a lot of ways gives he really presents two ways to kind of live by the spirit well to to live within in step you know number one it says those who belong to christ number one what they've done is they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and number two, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep up with the Spirit. So, I mean, two things, crucify the flesh and with its passions and desires. And number two, keep in step with the Spirit. To kind of close today, man, I was going to just ask you, what do you think that means to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires, first of all? And then secondly, what do you think it means to keep in step with the Spirit? Yeah, um... I think that, that that's a tough one right there because um, it's a tension. There's always this tension between um, trying not to sin, yeah. <laughs> you know, trying not to do something mm-hmm. or, you know, or, or fighting against it. And, you know, that's kind of what the imagery suggests is that we are actively you know, putting to death, you know, in other contexts, Paul talks about how we put to death our our sinful nature. And, you know, are there times where that might be, you know, some sort of physical or, or 
some sort of discipline that we impose upon ourselves, maybe. Mm. Um, probably it does look like that sometimes, but I would say it's, a, it's, an, it's an attitude and a mindset that we mm. consider ourselves dead to sin. Mm. We can, you know, we intentionally um, see ourselves as being dead to sin and alive to Christ. Mm. And, um, you know, but, but that's, that's the task of life uh, is, is living into the new reality and, and, you know, not <laughs> living into the old reality, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's a tension, it's a constant tension that we, that we face, you mm-hmm. know, um, keeping in step with the spirit, uh, mm-hmm. to me, and, and I'm, I'm going off the top of my head, I haven't yeah. done yeah. the Greek studies or anything <laughs> right now at this moment, but, uh, yeah. it's, you know, it implies that we are following after, you know, keeping in step applies that he's leading the way and it's my job to keep up with him. You know, it's my job to step where he steps to make sure that I'm stepping in on, on safe ground. He's leading me in the paths of righteousness and I'm, I'm following after that. I'm, it, it's not on my terms, it's on his terms. And so to me, that goes back to what I was saying about seek, seeking him uh, seeking communion with him, seeking his face, placing myself in his presence. And, mm. and, um, you know, I think that's, that's, that's where it begins is, uh, yeah. intentionally, um, seeking that relationship, that communion with God and allowing him to dictate and, uh, and to lead the way and, and me trying to keep in step with that. There's no better way to end this podcast than a statement like that, Gavian. You, uh, you've inspired us, you've uplifted us, and your insights have really brought to life uh, Galatians chapter 5. So, hey, thank you so much for taking time out of your lunch break to uh, share these truths with us, man. Thank you. Hey, no problem. God bless, man. Hey, God bless you. And uh, for those that are listening, uh, this is the second to last installment. We will have we have one more interview, uh, one more continuing the conversation on Galatians chapter six that will air next week. And who knows, man? Maybe I can convince Kavian to come back and close us out. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see you on his lunch break because he's so good. But uh, thank you for listening today, and thank you again to Kavian. Uh, what a great episode! We'll uh, finish out Galatians chapter six on Sunday. It'll be a live stream service if you can join us and online, 10.30 a.m. And the podcast, Continuing the Conversation, will air on Wednesday. God bless you all. Have a great week.